listeners, I'm Stacey Lee Sherwood from Reality Checks with Stacey Lee coming to you on All About Animals Radio. Now, if you think animal issues are just about animals, well, no, they also involve politics and economics, so they do affect all of us. So I hope you learn a little something from today's show and maybe be motivated to act and enjoy the show. So with me today, we have two wonderful concerned citizens that I've known for a long time from down in Miami, Florida, Sarah Velasquez and Jennifer Haley Rodko. So welcome. So let's start with you guys on how you guys got involved in wanting to save sea turtles. Just a general walk on the beach at sunset. And I saw these little creatures pop out of the nest and everyone wanted to touch them. I'm like, no, please don't touch them. (laughs) It's not a time for a selfie or a photo op. So, um, and someone had left all their furniture at the beach and they were running the wrong way. Mm -hmm. And we were we were running after them and I went, this is probably a normal occurrence. Why doesn't anyone know about this? Right. (laughs) What what can, what can I do to help? And I just got involved with, started posting on Facebook and got involved with other neighbors and fell down a rabbit hole. What was uh, the reaction from like people around who might've seen this going on? Did they, do they know what was happening or did they, or did they ask you like, Hey, what are you doing? Um, people asked us what we were doing. People didn't under really understand what was going on. I had noticed that there wasn't, the sign was so little on the nest that you almost had to disturb the nest to get close to it, to read it. So that was kind of counterproductive. And, um, I had reached out to people I knew at Surfrider who put me in touch with somebody else. And um, it just kind of went from there to get involved with other people who were active in our community, either mm-hmm. hosting beach cleanups or advocating for animals. Um, everyone kind of knew each other. It was just about getting people involved. Now, did you know anything about sea turtles before you came upon, upon this? Nothing. No, no. Yeah. I mean, they lived in the sea. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I'm going to, I'm going to pitch in here. Uh, My case is a little bit different than Jennifer's probably because I used to fly to Mexico to Tulum just to see the turtle. Oh, wow. I've been living in the year in the beach for many, many years. And in my own backyard, it, you know, I realized after I, I don't have a really pretty story like like Jennifer's. I have a very sad story in South Beach. I was walking with a friend of mine years ago and uh, she, we were walking her little dogs. And all of a sudden I see all these little markings. Mm. I didn't know what it was. And I started following the markings to the opposite side, to the park, right to where the um, that Ocean Drive Park is. Mm. So I started walking through and I realized that I see these little black dead little babies uh, everywhere i started looking and the more i walked the more i saw more of them and then i realized that they were going to the park towards the you know towards the grass and there was lots of them everywhere just dead so i started taking pictures i actually took pictures i take pictures of everything so i took pictures of the markings of the nest that i realized was there and they were coming from there and uh, I sent it out to the city, and then Miami New Times actually um, took those pictures and put them on the 
on the news. And oh, that's God. how, yeah, that's how I sort of realized what was going on. I started digging a little bit deeper and I was, you know, I reached out to the city and I said, what is going on? I mean, it, it was like, I don't remember, it was at least 100 or 100 plus baby turtles that were dead. I actually had the bad luck of going or not going just before the the actual sea turtle conservation project um, people go in the mornings right. I was, it was super early so i just arrived before they had actually cleaned up and that's what i realized and then i just started digging in a little bit more and more and and i was really surprised to first to know that there was sea turtles on the beach where i lived for so many years and that i had you know i, I didn't know to need to go out of out of the country to actually see a mama turtle laying nest or babies being born right. and and that's how I got initially involved. And as Jennifer said, then I started reaching out to other people and just, you know, word of mouth. And we started meeting together. And then, uh, you know, we met you after that. Um, you know, you were so kind enough to allow me to, you know, share all your knowledge with me. And, and I went up to see what was going on and how the, the nest should be handled and so forth. So that's how it all began to me. It was a little bit different. So you said about a hundred, about a hundred hatchings. So that's almost like, yeah, that's probably like a whole nest. Yeah, um, yeah. That's and this is like Loomis Park. That was right in, yeah, Loomis Park in Ocean Drive. No, not Loomis Park. It's right where. That's actually a little bit south from there. It was. Um, I don't remember the name of the park right now. It's there's a playground for kids there. It's not at one of the large. Um, parks. It's one of the smaller ones right before Fifth and Ocean. There's a small little park there, um, a green area by a playground. And that's exactly where the, the, the babies were all over the place. Like, you know, I, I found babies even all the way to Collins. That's how far those poor babies went. And of course, they couldn't make it, you know, obviously, no energy. So they ended up, you know, dying. But I, I still, you know, I, I will never forget those images. Never. It's how far okay so how so from where the nest was to the furthest distance that you found them about how far would that be like a block like a half mile do you do you recall how i would say a, a good two almost two blocks blocks and a half because that's, in that yeah, area distance, the ocean yeah. the actual the the sand is very wide because they do all that sand refurbishment stuff. So they right, have like, right. you know, that area in the beach is pretty, pretty wide. So you have to walk a lot to just get to the edge of the park. And then from the park, you have, that's like the park itself, it's at least half a block, right? It's the frontage right. of the entire park of the entire building area. So by the time you reach Collins, that's a good, almost, yeah, at least a block and a half of distance. Were they for going to... Were they going to a, a fixed light pole or a temporary pop-up light? They were going to fixed light poles fixed from, light the, poles. from the actual park. That's where they were going, heading to. Yes. Yeah. Right. And right. it had been a while because, um, you know, it, their bodies were pretty um, dry already. Mm. So I don't know what time they had actually hatched, but I do remember that the babies were dry. They were not, you know, freshly. It could have been the. Whatever. It could have been the night before. Probably could have been even. Yeah, because it had been many hours, and the markings were intact. I, I have. I, I probably still have pictures of that, because um, I took so many, and that's when I started walking. I actually started walking every day around the area just to make sure that nothing like that was happening again, and so forth. Oh. You know, 
we all started that little group of concerned citizens. Um, yeah, back in the day. And I don't remember, but this was years ago. Wow. And to put in perspective, sea turtle hatchings are only about maybe three or four inches long. So they're really tiny. So if they had to crawl a couple of blocks, gosh, that would be like, that'd be like if a human, you know, walked several miles. Um, that's a marathon. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that, that really a is. A, it's a marathon. Yeah, that's, a, that's a long time. And a lot of times what they do is they literally just crawl towards a light source until they just run out of steam because they have this like burst of energy and that energy is to crawl out of the nest and race towards the ocean. And of course, once they're in the ocean, as you had mentioned when you were swimming, Sarah, once they're in the ocean, it's just so much easier for them and they don't have to use all that energy. So when they're crawling exactly. on that soft sand, that lumpy beach that I hate to walk on myself, yeah, that's really exhausting. And sometimes, sometimes they're picked off by predators, though we don't have a whole lot of wildlife on the beach anymore um but yeah they just literally crawl until they just run out of run out those of steam bird, those those birds know when to go oh they do like the uh what is it the night the night heron the night herons we used to have a couple in Lauderdale by the sea one would like hang out around the dunes I guess they were waiting for the greenies and one would hate hang out like right by at the wash zone and yeah they they absolutely knew you know uh that it was going to be kind of easy easy pickings for them, which is unfortunate. So since since you guys first started to see those sea turtle nests, uh, and we all know that the light pollution is a huge, huge problem. It's a global problem, but it's definitely a problem in the East Coast of Florida, especially the Southeast Coast. Would you say that the lighting problem in Dade County is as bad as it was from all those years ago or worse? Worse. Worse. I think it's worse because there's Gosh. more development, actually. Oh, Lord, yeah. Yeah. Less protection, more development. Right. Yeah, right. unfortunately. It's very sad because, you know, you would figure that if they're doing There's just so many more people, too. There would be so much awareness, but it's not exactly. You have so many people moving here. Yeah. We also have people doing businesses where you can do, like, uh a nighttime picnic on the beach and there's not much regulation to them. Like a, pop, like a pop-up picnic where people are going to set up tables and chairs and lights and events. And yeah. this, yeah, okay. And a this, lot of events. This is during turtle season. Um, people have private businesses where they, they do these picnics on the beach, but then you have, the, you know, wow. big, huge events where they're bringing in floodlights and stuff. And you can get, oh you God. can get the disorientation reports and see the hatchlings that end up in the holes of the light fixtures. Yeah. That, I mean, all of that, of course, is a violation of the, uh, let's see, the federal law, the state law, the county law, <laughs> and the, lo oh and the local, and the local light ordinances. I mean, there's just like a long list of laws that all of that violates and of course, this is an endangered species. So you would think, I don't know, the agency paid and charged to enforce this law, which would be Florida Fish and Wildlife Commission, <clears throat> would be doing something about that, but they don't. And then it falls to code enforcement, but they're not really given training. And I guess I guess you could say they're not really given much an incentive, right? Would you agree that code enforcement isn't given much of an incentive or support in enforcing the law? I think as soon as we make some ground that that 
that there's a different administration and with different needs and they're told to address certain things and not others. Right. And they actually, the city, at least in Miami oh. Beach, they have very little people that are actually doing code enforcement in general for anything. Not only, you know, it's just that. Yeah, they're, they're in not, charge of the whole city. Exactly. And then you have just, you know, you have so many issues coming going on here that everything gets to the bottom, you know, for later, for later, and, and it never gets done. Well, I remember a few years ago, let's see, when would this have been? Two, no, probably three or four years ago. I was down at, in um, Crandon Park, right? So that would be like the Biscayne Bay area. And this would have been, I think it was like in July. And I went down, not looking for sea turtles uh, per se, but I was down kind of looking for shorebirds. And I get into the parking lot and Crandon Park, I guess used to be some sort of a zoo or some sort of an entertainment thing, um, which has since closed down. And I get into the parking lot and I was overwhelmed with the smell. And it was like somebody had, it was like a like a toilet had backed up, right? Or or someone had really got, gotten sick. And what had happened was one of the pipes, because Florida still takes all the, you know, the poop and they dump it in the ocean. And one of those pipes had burst and it had all come back, you know, no surprise with the tides. And it kind of like had covered the beach, right? Just covered the beach. And I remember seeing some of these little shorebirds and they were literally trying to walk around this, you know, huge pile of seaweed that was also covered with the, with the poop and, and, and plastic and gutters, what else? And I remember just thinking, you know, what are we doing to this once pristine area? I don't think sea turtles actually nest. I don't think they nest on Biscayne Bay. Uh, no. they, they might, but I, I don't, I don't recall hearing any, any nest down there. But I remember seeing the little shorebirds trying to navigate that. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, this is just so, so tragic. And sea turtle, the, the mamas are pretty skittish. And I remember when I was doing the morning program, I would come out and I would see like these false crawls. And sometimes they would come out onto the beach and they would only crawl maybe a few feet. And they would come up to like a really small edge, not like a big cliff, but like an edge that was like maybe a foot you know, a foot high. And of course it's soft sand and these turtles are two, three, 400 pounds. So you would think that they would just bulldoze through it and carry on, but instead it stopped them. Right. And they would turn around and they go back into the ocean and then they wouldn't make a nest and they wouldn't lay the eggs. And so, you know, how that plays out. So when I was down at Crandon park and I saw, and this was like for several blocks and this, Oh my God, the smell was like overwhelming. And I thought, so we don't just we don't just have like Mother Nature. It's literally all of this going on that would inhibit, you know, any kind of sea turtle, sea turtle nesting, uh, which is which is really a crisis. We so, do have a lot of sewage main breaks. We yeah yeah. I hear about them through Surfrider and through Miami Water Keepers, and then through mm -hmm. the county. So what what is a lot. going? Yeah, what is yeah? I I heard you know there was there wasn't. A couple of months there when it almost seemed like Fort Lauderdale had one, gosh, I swear, like every every Fort week or Lauderdale so. Fort Lauderdale has a huge issue. Fort Lauderdale huge has issue. a backflow of um, sewage. Yeah. It runs down the street there. It does. Regularly. Even without, it, with a couple inches of rain, forget about a storm. Yeah, it it does. And you would you would think, you know, people get up in arms for a couple of days and then they, you know, then they kind of forget about it. And then, you know, all the officials are like, oh, well, we'll 
you know, we'll put it off until tomorrow or next week or, you know, someone someone else takes my job and it can be their headache, but it, it doesn't get done. So what happens in Miami? Because I've, I've literally lost track. I remember I there was that. that one, and but I've lost track. Does anything ever get done? Does it ever get fixed? No, actually, no, it's just overdevelopment. Again, we go to the back to the same story. You know, we have tons of construction going on. We have new um, buildings, uh, you know, over huge towers that are coming up. Yeah, but I don't but think don't anything's have, being done to update the infrastructure, nothing, plumbing exactly. or electrical. And this is infrastructure that has been there for, what, 40, 60, 70 years? I don't even know how long. I think so, yeah, long time. We already had a problem, always have a problem. And, uh, but they don't, don't address, you know, from the root of the cost. Which is yeah, I know that the that water have- costs the water costs have gone up steadily, but I don't know anything that's being done to mitigate the sewage issues. No, no. other than yeah, other than them it. telling people not to flush paper towels and cleaning wipes down the toilet. Yeah, and we carry I carry the app where it tells you what beaches can you go, and it's kind of safe to go to, and the ones that are not, and usually most of them are not. If you look at it, there's there's a lot of days. <laughs> that you can't, you know, you shouldn't be going into the water, into the ocean, which is, it's, it's really sad. And forget about going into the bin, you know? This is nice. Sarah, the, Sarah yeah. you said there's a, there's an app that tells you which beaches are safe. And is this just like a water quality issue or is this like trash or poop on the beach or what, 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 do, what determines if it's safe? Poop. Yeah, water quality, oh but God. it's basically poop. And you should just know that you you can't after there's a heavy rain you can't go to the beach because you just can't go. Oh my god! I mean, what is what is what does that tell you? And then you think of like all the endangered species, you know, not just sea turtles, but all the you know shorebirds and and, and the crabs, everything. And and of course, you know, humans are lying lying on this sand and walking through it, and the you know the children are digging into it and. God knows what else they're eating the sand and so yeah they're definitely rolling around <laughs> yeah they're rolling around yeah exactly suits. oh lord they're rolling around exactly. in it oh, oh they love to roll skin around skin rashes and, and skin problems because of the contamination oh i know i mean i don't go into the water i barely ever go into the water in miami beach and i've lived here since 2005 practically and this is wow. almost what almost 20 years and i just don't go in the water period that's just a, a thing that i just don't do because i've seen so much happen I don't feel. Oh, I'll swim in the ocean versus swimming in the in the pool with the kids' poop. <laughs> well, pools, yeah. yeah, pools can be, yeah, pools can be really bad too. They don't. Yeah. I don't think they get maintained or or cleaned out either. At least with the ocean, it's such a vast amount of water. There's always that chance that the tide will, you know, kind of take it out at least temp- temporarily. And of course, this isn't even about like the red tide problem and the blue green algae. Which is, um, yeah, that's a whole other ball of wax, which you can't go into the water either when, mm-hmm. you know, when that, when that happens. Well, look and at the other course- side of Florida, you can't even breathe there. Exactly, exactly. Well, actually, if you're on the beach and it's like an extra bad breakout kind of thing, um, yeah, they basically just kind of tell the tourists because they figure the tourists don't really know. Oh, it's okay. It's it, they call it naturally occurring. That's one of their buzzwords. It's naturally occurring, and not to worry. And then they would come out like early in the morning, and they would remove all of the dead marine life, which it wouldn't just be the fish, right? It would be crabs. Sometimes it'd be baby sea turtles. <clears throat> Sometimes it would be dolphins or baby sharks, and all of this marine life would be killed from the red tide and the blue green algae and everything else that gets dumped in there, and they would just 
I don't know if they would even bury it. I think sometimes they would just kind of like put it back in the ocean and hope like the tide would would take it out. And so that's a whole other thing that people are completely oblivious of that when they're on the beach. And then, of course, that really makes, you know, any of the sea turtles that have a nest there, it takes a couple of months for the hatchlings, for the eggs to become hatchlings. And so during all that time, you can imagine all the chemicals that are kind of seeping into the eggs. Yeah, right. And then, of course, the hatchlings come out. And, you know, unlike even just 100 years ago, it's not really pristine. So they're walking on all of that. And of course, that that would have to affect them too. Um, not to mention all, all the trash. So I would go to these beaches and I would look at these like piles of seaweed and look at the piles of poop and, you know, and all the plastic. And I would just think, you know, this could be such a beautiful, pristine paradise. Um, but it, yeah, if, if yeah. only, if only code enforcement and FWC would enforce the laws, that would, that would really be great. So when you talk about development in Miami, I'm always amazed when people talk about development because when I drive around, I I can barely see any open space left, right? Um, You know, when people say, oh, they're developing this, my first question is where? Where could they be developing this? Because there's hardly any open space left. So I guess, would you say what they're tearing down, like the older, smaller buildings and building like they're building giant buildings. They're they're also selling off a lot of public land and land Mm -hmm. that was like in Hollywood. They have, there's a huge fight going on about Azalea Terrace. They want to take an area that's not developed and they want to put a private condo on something and, and public tax dollars were used to purchase that land for conservation purposes and for the public enjoyment. And now they want to monetize it. Yeah. 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 It's horrible. And you're a barrier island and and you want to put in subterranean parking and uh, the the land just can't hold it. Where is Azalea Terrace? Azalea Terrace is in Hollywood. No, what I mean is that is it like South Hollywood? Like is it on the border of Miami or is it like the northern quite sure? Yeah, I'm not too familiar with Hollywood. I I, I was there years I, ago. I'm thinking it remember. has to be up at the northern part. There's a northern corner that is beautiful. That is right where there's actually um there's a there's a public park there that has a a small sea turtle um, program there going on usually, and I think it's right by Hollywood at the northern part of it. I was driving there probably a few days ago. Um, and it's, it, I think it's where I usually get lost and I have to do a U-turn, which is kind of like a corner at the end of Hollywood. Uh, and there are some tall condos like in the middle of nowhere in that area. Mm. So I'm supposing right. that's kind of like the, the place because it's pristine. It's really beautiful. No wonder, you know, no wonder. It's always greed. I think the whole issue comes back to greed. Yeah, they want to chop down a part of the dune and put a path through and then put the condo in. Oh, no. Um, no. Well, that's just like what I was telling you guys earlier about the the Mayan club. The Mayan club had just a couple of condos and a very small dune. And they actually got uh, permission from the Florida Department of Environmental, pardon the expression, protection to come in at like two in the morning and knock it down, you know, just so they would have a view, even though sea turtles had always nested there. And in fact, the previous year there had been a nest and, and on and on and on. And so this was just literally just a couple of condos so they could have a, a view. So 
you said this is an, an ongoing battle, but I'm guessing that the yes the hum the hum the human side is going to win, right? It sounds like they've already maybe predetermined that. It kind of seems like they're taking steps to clear certain areas, like it's already been passed. It's already been passed. Oh wow! Like that's, it's already been passed. Been, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's another, that's kind of like another sneaky thing that a lot of developers do is they try to like break ground. And so on the, on the thought that just in case if a decision doesn't go their way, they can say, oh, well, you know, we already broke ground. So whatever it was, we weren't supposed to just destroy, we kind of already destroyed it. So there's no reason to stop, you know what I'm saying? There's no reason to stop us now kind of thing. So maybe that's what they're they're planning. So that's not, you know, that's not, that's not good at all. Um, that's really not good news at all. It's the sea turtles are going to have like no place, no place to nest. They don't just migrate North. I was talking to a few people at the IUCN and, uh, supposedly these are like the best of the best, the, the brightest, uh, sea turtle biologists in the world. And they didn't have any kind of sense of urgency, even though in Florida, I would say it's got to be like 80 to 90% of the hatchings just don't make it to the ocean. There's just way too much development. There's way too much light pollution in the hot sand. Mm. I don't I don't see how it could really be. I don't see how it could be any, anything else. But their sense of urgency was kind of like, well, it's not really urgent. And, you know, take so there's zero, zero plan for hatcheries. Zero plan. Yes. Zero plan for hatcheries. And I have that in writing because I put it in writing and I said, well, you know, I see these I see these studies going back, you know, 5, 10, 20 years from you guys, some of which are from your members. Right. Um, and and also some of these members work at universities here and they work at nonprofits. And so clearly you have known that the sand was too hot and only produced females and you've known about light pollution. I mean, all you have to do is go out on the beach and just look, right? And you just mm -hmm. see like a sea of light as far as the eye can see. You can imagine how blinding it is for us. So they've known about it for a long time. And I would say zero incentive to do anything. I mean, the IUCN is touted as this, you know, the elite um and kind of looking out for endangered species and they basically said in emails no no we're not we're not overly concerned well we'll wait and see we've got a bunch of years and i'm thinking a bunch of years it's like defcon one here so i mentioned well what about these indoor hatcheries like they have in the caribbean they've got yeah, these they hatcheries, right and they're like temperature controlled and that would bypass since they're not going to enforce all anyway that would bypass all of that no, they would not go for it. Does that does that really surprise you guys? <laughs> that's yeah. That's a, I mean, it's it's insanity because one of the things that I don't that really now that you're mentioning is that you have all these experts, right? We're not right. experts. We're just right. concerned regular people, and that's what right. I kept telling the city when I approached them, and the Miami Dade Sea Turtle Conservation Project when I approached them, and I said, "Listen, I'm just a, a regular nobody." actually. I am just concerned because I care about my environment. I want my daughter to be able to come with her children here where she was raised and come back and, and do what I used to do here with her when she was a little girl, for example. It's just, you know, and they just don't, you know, there's no programming. There's no, um, and Jennifer mentioned it earlier, there's no conversation between entities either. Because I understand 
it's, you know, we're talking about efforts. So efforts probably have to be a group of all these people that right. are involved, right? Right. The Florida Wildlife Conservation and the, and uh, these, all these, the universities, uh, you know, so many non-for-profits and just regular people like us, like me, right? But there's nothing, there's nothing. And the more you try, I think that the worse, I feel really, um, I felt completely, not violated, but I felt like aggressively uh, told to step back. Wow. Many times yeah. From all these places, all these places. I won't mention names or anything, but I did feel that all the time. Every time that I tried to intervene, ask questions, just regular questions, how, you know, how we, how can we as just regular residents do something about this? We don't want this to happen. And I have many people, not only me, but I mean, we're a pretty large group of uh, concerned citizens in general, not only about sea turtles, but about so many things that are happening on the city in our environment. And, and it seems like you bump head against everybody and, and there's no communication and there's no will to, at the very least, you know, try to sit together and try to find uh, some sort of solutions or right. even volunteering. We, we offered ourselves to volunteer so many times. Well, I remember that. Told yeah. There's no night permit. Yeah. There's no night right. permit. Yeah. There's no night exactly. permit. Right. That's right. the answer. Right. And they, and they weren't, they weren't looking to give you, give you one either, which is, um, which is part of, part of the problem. Um, because that, that would have really helped to maybe not solve the problem, but certainly kind of help, help things along, uh, I think we lost, I think we lost Sarah for a moment, Um, but that would definitely help things along, uh, which is a shame because originally uh, the night program definitely, definitely, definitely helped educate the people. And whenever we went out and talked to people, they had like no idea. Of, you know, that's were, what I noticed when I got involved. We were no the idea drum circle all, right? is people right. had, they were there to party. They were there for the moon. They were there for this, that, and the other. And they didn't, first of all, they couldn't see the nests on the beach. Right. And second of all, they didn't, people were walking through them and not even realizing they walked through them. All we weren't there trying to intervene or see a nest hatch. We were literally there. During a full moon drum circle, you stand there. I'll stand by this nest. Right. Just please, please don't step through the nest. Please right. don't right. tromp, trample them. <laughs> right. It was. It was not a concerted effort to try and you know get involved in the in nesting. It was just don't. Please just be mindful that they're there and don't destroy them. Would you say that the county program took a proactive or a non-active stance on trying to educate the public about light pollution or disturbing I feel like like we have a a lot more education is going on in the last few years it's targeted to children and I did notice that the nest the the um the signage that we got out is too complicated yeah okay it just needs, needs to be very plain and pictorial and you may be in a few different languages, just like don't touch them. Right. Right. Don't touch them. Don't use the, it's not a playpen for your kid and it's not a place for you to store your stuff where you go swimming in the ocean. I have, I have seen the playpen. I remember a few times 
Um, mostly like around the 4th of July, but I remember a few times, the first time I was just walking on the beach because it was the beginning of my nighttime rescue shift. And I see this little kid, like maybe two years old. And you're like digging in there. Yes. Yes. And, and obviously, you know, I didn't even see like footsteps. So I think the mom, I don't know what she thought that caution tape was for, but it was like, she picked up her kid and like put it in inside. Like it was like a playpen on the beach. And the kid was like literally right where the chamber was. Cause it was like right in the middle of, you know, where the nest would have been on that, on that mound of all things. I mean, I know they didn't know, but clearly there was a sign that said, you know, don't, don't touch, don't come in. And the kid had a little shovel and was just like digging away. And I had to like explain this whole thing. And she said, I had no idea. And I said, well, there's a sign and, and like police caution tape, right? So that's kind of, that is kind of a clue that you're not really supposed to be doing that. But yeah, periodically I would see like the, the playpen thing kind of going on. Um, but it is kind of amazing how few, how few people really understand what's going on. Even people that live here. I was astounded by how many people will have condos or homes on the beach who don't actually spend that much time on the beach. No, it's something to look at. It's something for visitors to go I do. Know, I know. I was amazed. I mean, I would have thought the whole point of living on the beach is so you get up in the morning and you go for a run or you do yoga or something. And they're like, oh, no, you know, with the two weeks that we're here, you know, we just open the window and we see the beach are like completely oblivious. And I would say, well, you know, have you ever seen like a mama nesting? And they're like, what would that be? And I'm like, well, the sea turtle, they've been here for like millions of years. <laughs> they were completely unaware that these endangered species were nesting like just a couple hundred feet away from their window, which was kind of, uh, I don't know, kind of interesting. So what kind of, you mentioned that um, the science was too complicated. Are there like a lot of signs on the beach, like around the public access area? No. Yeah. Okay. So that's part of a problem. That's part of a problem too. What do you think that is? I always wonder, like, why why did they not even bother to put signs on the beach? It it would just seem like such an easy, uncomfortable. I I got involved in Surfside, and the the Daniel Deitch was our former mayor, and he Mm -hmm. helped me get in touch with the Army Corps of Engineers, which put in the budget that they had to put the, the signage was paid for in the beach renourishment program. So right. we have a lot of signage, right? but that wasn't consistently done. But this, the signage is a little convoluted because it's a, a, a scientist made it. It's not <laughs> simple enough. It's too, right. no one's going to read all those words. Right. And, and some, sometimes I've seen like brochures and flyers and things. Um, actually Hillsborough beach has a really, a really good one. They literally go through the list, <clears throat> but they do it in like a very simple way. Like, you know, don't, don't touch the nest, you know, pick up the trash, put away your chairs. You know, if there's a light, you know, on the patio or garage or home, you know, can't shine on the beach. So that was pretty systematic, but I have seen things where it was very technical. And even though I worked with sea turtles and I understood all that lingo, I just, no one's going to read it. No one's going to read it. Exactly. I would hand it to someone and they would be like, I don't know what, you know, what, what, what this is. And I would say, you know, just turn off the light. When it hits to be like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, just turn off the light end of story, end of story, or get, go to home Depot for like two bucks, get like a little shield and put it on the side of the light that it, you know, faces towards the beach. And that would be easy, easy peasy. So that's always, you know, that's always kind of part of a, part of a problem. What about we the street lights? 
We have floor to ceiling windows here on the condos and they have a reflective nature to a lot of the glass. Oh, yes. Right. And the only right. thing that's regulated is the light outside and right. it's not regulated. And the old lights are grandfathered in and they're using white lights. Right. And it's just, some of these buildings are so bright that they light up the whole beach. They are. And then they I are. noticed, yeah. I noticed that the, um, the new street lights are led and at least, I guess they could change the colors for dur- during different seasons, but the police want a certain color light because they want people to be able to identify other people, not just as people, but you know, if there's a crime, they want to know what color people are wearing, what color people are. It's just, everyone has a different set of needs and the right. police want it as light as possible. So I know here in Miami beach during certain events, they're bringing in more light in places like Loomis park because oh. they want it lit up because of the crime. Right. Oy. Okay. And then there's specific street lights that are old and are, I, I don't know when they're going to be slated to be replaced, but You know, they're spray painting lights instead of changing them out. And it's not really doing much of anything. You know, I did I did see a couple of buildings in Little Dead by the Sea where it or was a Pompano. It did seem like someone just took out black paint and painted the light. And I thought, boy, that is that is really not going to be good. And then there were a couple that they took what looked like, oh, I think Sarah's back. A couple where it looked like they had taken like black black uh black fabric. And just kind of <clears throat> taped taped it on, but they didn't really secure it. So whenever there was a breeze, and of course, if you're on the beach, there's always a breeze, right? So the light would at be least black. take some orange spray paint, and then there'll be there's like an an orange light coming out. But an it's- orange light, exactly, exactly. Well, no, but that see now, Jennifer, now that would be logical, and that would actually help the sea turtles. <laughs> it actually looks very nice the orange and it red actually, light yeah. i see the landscaping that they're doing in some of the new buildings that have chosen to be proactive it's right. very mm-hmm. modern it's very sleek right. it looks elevated there are buildings who have chosen to to do this to do the right yeah. thing yeah 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 i actually i actually like the i like the look of the you know i don't just like the the, the look of the like the muted red for sea turtles. It's actually easier on my eyes as well. I don't like those bright floodlights. I mean, I understand, you know, if you're if you're walking in an abandoned building, right, and you're looking for something specific and you need detail, floodlights, fine, I get that. But if you are on, if you're outside and you're on the beach, you're already able to adjust to kind of that nocturnal vision to, to some extent. And when you're looking at a floodlight, it can actually can distort color, but it's like blinding to you. So I I noticed that with people on the city bikes, they bike right. around on the bike path of the city bikes and I'm, I'll be out there because I go across the street from my house just to sit or take a tiny little walk right. and I'm blinded. I know. So the orange light is... It's calmer. It's more serene. It's it's just it's not as intrusive. It it is, and also on the vehicles, on the not just the police vehicles, but like when um, the turtle vehicles, or sometimes some of the sometimes some of the condos would have like their own like trash pickup or whatever. They would they would have these little ATVs on the beach, and they would have these bright 
white floodlights, which you can clearly see from, gosh, at least two miles away because I knew where I was and I knew how far down the light was. And so I could see these bright white lights from two miles away. So of course, any hatchlings would come out, they would see those lights and they would crawl towards them. But I would also tell the officers, you know, if you're, if the point is to try to find, you know, crime on the beach, you're broadcasting that you're there there. and, Mm -hmm. and how far you are. So if I'm doing something, I'm not supposed to, I know exactly where you are. I know exactly how much time I have to, you know, finish what I'm doing and then get the heck off the beach. I said, if you change it to a red light, aside from the fact that it would be way better for the sea turtles, right? Which is supposedly they're in danger. They need protection. Most of the people on the beach would think, oh, you're just a turtle people, and they would not care, right? So you'd actually be able to sneak up on them. <laughs> I don't think they really want to sneak up on them. I think yeah. that they just want them to disperse so they don't have to do that. Oh, right, right. Not not, not actually fight crime there. Well, that that's a whole other, <laughs> that would be a whole other, a whole other issue. But I always wondered, like, why there was such resistance to the red light. Um, or even like a like a muted orange light, when it's actually easier for us to see. Because if you take like a bright floodlight and you put your hand over it, you don't have that bright beam um, because the hand actually covers some of that and the light then disperses and you can actually see like a much bigger area. So if somebody was like five, 10 feet away, you would be able to see them. And I would take people out and I would say, see that bright floodlight? Now put your hand there. And you see how that changes. It actually makes it more safe for you. So I really didn't understand such resistance because when I pointed out that the turtle-friendly light is actually human-friendly, people were like, oh, now I, you know, now I get it, right? And then they would say, so, so, how, so how come this isn't being done? And I'm like, well, that's why I'm here telling you <laughs> because it, you know, because it has to be done um, and it's actually safer for everybody. And it's, it doesn't even have to be that big of a production. That's, that's the joke. You know, you could just take the white light bulb and change it to a red light bulb during nesting season, or you could just put a shield on it and shield the light down and make it less bright so it doesn't but have they, to be. They don't do any surveys here till after season has started. There's no exactly. prep. Right. So right. it's all the, you know, the construction lights that are right on the beach path. We've got so many new buildings coming up and everything is reactionary. It's not proactive. Right. Right. And that, and that's the same too, because when I was doing the, the sea turtle program, both in Highland Beach, which actually is one of the darkest beaches in the state, we hardly had any disorientation because it was so dark and the law was enforced. But I would go down a lot of that by the state. And I would go down like January, February, right? So, and I would mark off like the like the big main offenders. So I had a couple of months before the season officially started. And even though it starts March 1st, I knew that most of the nesting wouldn't even like start till like April or May. So they had three or four months uh, and I would give them options. You know, you can go to Home Depot, you could go to Lowe's, you can go to Ace Hardware, a bunch of places. And I would give them, you know, pictures and, you know, just take this picture. You need like a red bulb you know, easy peasy or just some kind of a shield or whatever. And it could be temporary. It's just for nesting season. It was like so easy to do. But I noticed that when people wait until it's already the season, then it's too late, right? Because people are going to be like, oh, I don't have any time to do it. Yeah, because then they're given warnings. and it's, It's, yeah. 
but then but then they're giving warnings and maybe they're giving a fine, but then they don't really do anything, right? They kind of stall until the end of the season and they're like, okay, it's in the season. And then the whole the whole process starts all over again. I found that very frustrating, right? Yeah, yeah. I feel like they should be telling people months ahead of time, you need to take down those Christmas lights. Mm. Christmas lights. Are there a lot of people that, that leave up Christmas lights? Yeah, because they put on them the on their balconies and patios and they, put, oh. they they do them at like bars and stuff. There was a there was a couple of bars that had like the little white lights. And of course, if you're a little turtle and you see the string of white lights, that looks exactly like stars, right? So of course that's actually probably one of the one of the worst things to have on there. Um yeah, there was a bar, actually they went out of business, but for years they did use a lot of a lot of those uh white lights strung up all all around the side and i used to tell them you know that's like the worst the worst thing you could possibly do but if code doesn't enforce it and the police department doesn't enforce it i know fwc doesn't doesn't do doesn't do any kind of enforcement which is a shame so that doesn't leave us anywhere anywhere to go so years ago yeah years years ago you guys had come up to pompano and we were all psyched to start a nighttime sea turtle hatchling rescue, um, which would basically mean people go out to the nest when they're about to hatch. And if the hatchlings don't go to the ocean on their own, which they rarely do in Florida, we would just pick them up and put them in the ocean. And it would have been such such an easy program. It worked for years in Broward before the state came in and decided to, you know, squash, squash all of that. So do you think that there's any chance that the county program will ever start something like that on their own? I don't think that they have the manpower or the budget or they just, they told me flat out that the FWC is not giving out those permits. Right. Do you think, do you think that the county program would have any incentive to like incorporate volunteers on their own? Or is that just like a, I know, I know that they have volunteers now. Of course, I've been in a car accident and I don't have the physical wherewithal to go volunteer. So as soon as it became a thing, I was hurt and couldn't do it. Yeah. But I knew they were taking volunteers for morning surveys. Okay. But they don't have the permit for the nighttime and they would need to double their staff. Right. They can't have the same people get up in the morning and do the same, do the, um, the night, the night rescue. The night I did, rescue. The, yeah. I did, I did both programs for nine years, and then I just did you the just rescue. didn't sleep. <laughs> I did not. You got that right. I literally did not sleep. I got up at five o'clock in the morning. I was on the beach by six o'clock. I mean, you had to because you can't be you can't be digging around nests at you know eight nine o'clock in the morning it is just ungodly hot. So that's just not a possibility. So I would I would get up at five, I'd be on the beach up before six o'clock, I'd be there for two, three hours digging up hatch nests and marking nests and false crawls. And then at that point, I mean you're wide awake. You're just completely wide awake. So there was no no getting around that. And then what would happen is I would uh go out to the beach at night and then I would do the rescue. And uh yeah, I basically would not sleep for for all those hours. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty exhausting. Um, and that's kind of sad. That's kind of sad to hear because ironically, Miami would have a lot of, a lot of potential volunteers if they really wanted to do that. Uh, you know that they would have more than enough help to do both. Actually, they'd have plenty of people they could train to do the morning survey and a ton of people that would go out and 
watch the nest and rescue if they really wanted to really wanted to save this endangered species, which I guess is not a priority. Everything seems research-based. What, what are we researching it all for if no action is being taken? Well, exactly. And uh, of course, I did ask that of many people over, over the years. You know, well, I, see, I see you've done studies on lighting, right? And sometimes these studies would involve taking hatchlings from a nest and putting them, you know, in a tank and in a laboratory and then like shining lights on them. And I would think, and these are like sea biologists and some, some work for these big universities like FAU and uh, Nova and a bunch of other universities. And I would say, I don't know why you need to do this. You literally, all you have to do is go to the beach, any beach, you know, uh, any beach, any night after certainly by 11 o'clock at night and just stand there and look at all the lights, the indoor lights, the outdoor lights, the street lights, the sky glow, anybody, even if somebody was like walking on the beach with a cell phone, you'd be surprised how much, how much that could light well, up. Cell phones are big now. They are. They are. They're much, they're much bigger and they're much brighter and people are on them all the time. And then they also have like a bigger version, which I guess would be the iPad. And it doesn't, it doesn't even take a whole lot of light to disorientate a little sea turtle. Um, and I would say, you don't need to do these fancy studies. You literally just have to go out to the beach any night and just look and just take pictures or video, just like stream a video and just wait. And you'll see just like a domino effect, boom, boom, boom. A nest will hatch and maybe not all of the hatchings, but most of them will turn around and they will follow the sea of lights and not go anywhere near the water. And like Sarah had mentioned earlier, just crawl until they run out of steam and, and die. Um, so that's a whole other, a whole other kind of way of um, pretending you're doing something in the name of conservation when all you're doing is collecting a paycheck and you're not really, you're not really saving the endangered species. And none of these, None of these studies really make the news. Um, the public isn't aware of them. They don't learn anything from them, right? So it's like, why are you even writing a study? Like who would be reading this and who would be learning about this? Um, which is pretty pretty much what is going on these days, uh, which is unfortunate. When I first came here, there were not very many volunteer programs. And then it started not just with the rescue, but it started with a lot more volunteer programs and educating the public. And then over the years, you know, one by one, they were just, uh, the permits were removed and they were told that they weren't needed anymore. And, uh, you know, like, like you guys had said earlier, even today in 2023, people really have like no clue <laughs> that there are sea turtles or that there's like a lighting issue or that there's anything that they could do to mitigate it. It's really frustrating. I just don't understand why we don't have hatcheries. If it's so hot and they really want to save them, um, the money can be raised. It could be. It really, it really could be because FAU alone has something like a billion dollar budget. And I know that Nova has something like 900 million, or maybe I got it backwards, but between those two big universities, <clears throat> and they have a big sea turtle program. It's like $2 billion. I mean, that's a huge, huge budget. That's that's insane. And I can tell you from personal experience and all the years I work with sea turtles, I can't even count the number of people who said, and even if they didn't live locally, they would be more than happy to come to Florida and of course help the local economy. It would, it could they would love to come and help. Tourism. Exactly. It could totally I become know, ecological tourism. I know. 
well, Jennifer, you you should be in charge of this. It would it would be a boon to the economy, right? It would put Florida right on the map. It would be so it would really be so easy to do because basically you would just not every nest, but you know enough enough of the nest. Um, you would just excavate them, which those of us who do the morning survey are trained how to ex- excavate nests and how to relocate nests anyway. So it's already part of our training. Believe me, anybody can learn how to do this. You take the eggs, you put them in one of those big buckets that they get at Lowe's for like five bucks. You cover them with sand. You put them in a room. You could put like a couple hundred of those buckets in a room and you just leave them there. And they hatch on their own. You don't have to do anything about them at all, right? You just leave them there with no air conditioning and they would hatch on their own. When they hatch, you take the hatchings down to the water and release them. You could have, you could charge tickets for that. You could make it an amazing, an amazing event. And you could bypass all the lighting laws, which they obviously don't enforce. We all know that. Um, and you would bypass the hot sand issue because they would be temperature controlled, right? So they would be a little cooler. So we'd have some males reproduce. If you don't have, if you don't have males, we're not going to save a species. I mean, females can't can't save a species on their own. Um, and then you could then you could do studies on how that is all working, right? And actually get real data. Well, look actually, what they did in Texas. That's what they 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 re the whole Big Bend area of the, outside of the Big Bend area. They have. They just didn't have sea turtles coming back there. Right. The uh the Kim's Red Lake, which I think is like the most yeah. the most endangered, the most endangered of all species. And the Kim's really, they only nest uh in just a couple of places in they're the in world. The Keys and they're in Hollywood. Yeah. I know they're not doing so great there. No, no, no. And then you think about our leatherbacks. And the leatherbacks, I mean, they're they're those giant sea turtles. They're as big as a car. And they used to nest all over the world. And most of the nesting um, historically had been over like in Indonesia and that area. And those beaches were like like much of Florida developed, you know, just over overdeveloped and also just a huge amount of trash. So between the trash, trash. oh my gosh. I mean, those pictures, right? You don't even know that it's water. All you see is just like, cans and just solid solid stuff floating and you don't even know that that's any water there's just no way a turtle is going to be able to navigate that and the beaches are covered uh, assuming there's still a beach left covered with trash and then of course you have all those condos with the lights so that's that atlantic species had pretty much died out so we don't really have a whole lot of leatherbacks left either um they're not doing all that well so you would they're think- coming early and late i noticed that um uh, the beach across the street from my house seems a couple months before sea turtle nesting season, a couple months after. That's the turtle that is showing up. Wow. Okay. So, well, there might there might be a shift because it's real. I mean, it's really getting it's a lot warmer. It is. I mean, it's like what is it, March seventh, and it's like eighty eight degrees down here, which is insane. Uh, when I moved down in 07, March was still relatively cool. It was in like the mid to high seventies, and the last few years, I've noticed it's like high oiling yeah it's it's just it's just crazy and the water so that, is warm yeah the water is really warm i mean it really it's like a yeah, sauna forget a bathtub it's like it's like a sauna so that's just uh that's really crazy so one last thing what can what can anybody listening possibly do to kind of help help save our sea turtles i feel like talk i like to walk when i'm out at the beach i I engage with children and then the children engage with the parents. Um, 
Just some, something simple as asking them to take their garbage with them at the end of the day and fill in the holes that they've dug in the beach. I think most people don't even know that there's going to be turtles coming. Right. So um, just consciousness and, and starting a conversation. But I, I contacted the, a lot of the Girl Scout troops here. And they oh, would let me idea. know when stuff was going on. <laughs> like they they did um, plastic projects and they contacted me when they found dead sea turtles because they like to play on the beach after school. Right, right. Um, but the Girl Scouts are amazing. The Girl Scouts are absolutely an, an amazing organization. They are. They are amazing. I was so, I was a Girl Scout and they they do really good things. In fact, I worked I worked with a a Girl Scout a few years ago, and they were trying to get a ban on straws in Lauderdale by the Sea and I think a couple of other places. So that's a that's a good idea to kind of reach out and work work with sea turtle, um, work with the um, uh, the Girl Scouts. Uh, I wonder if there's Boy Scouts too, but the Girl Scouts. Yeah, any Scouts. Yeah, yeah. I just well, wanted to be a Boy Scout. I wanted to go get dirty, <laughs> stay inside. <laughs> Well, they are. They gave us homework. I was like, no, no, no. We're supposed to be getting in the the dirt. They are the they are the future generation. Yeah, I can I can I can only hope that the people that are on the permits at work with sea turtles throughout Florida and and throughout the world finally finally get it together and realize that it it is urgent. We really absolutely we cannot afford to wait. We really need to get the light pollution under control. And we need to stop destroying what little beach we have left because there's very little beach, very little beach left. There's no um, doubt that these people got into this and they love these animals. And I right. just feel like they're trying to do this. They also have to live and their hands are tied. Yeah. But the, there's at some point there has to be a line in the proverbial sand where you're saying, well, we need really need to make a shift and do something different. Do something. And I just, I just don't think you can do anything without starting the hatcheries because we need, we need, we need dudes. Yeah, we do. We need we do. dudes. I was, dudes. Yeah, we do. I, I was really shocked. You know, when I first started working with sea turtles in 2008, I really, I had no idea. And I don't know if they were studying it back then, but certainly by 2010, 2012, they definitely knew that the sand was hot enough to only produce females. And that is, that is shocking. And then of course you have to figure well, it can't just be the sea turtles because crabs nest on the beach, right? And then what about what you about don't all the- see anything? They're no, raking right. You'll the see beach. Anything. They're, ra- they're raking the beach so much that I just remember oh. sitting on the beach as a little kid playing with coquina, right? And you don't even see them anymore, right? It's crazy. They're, I don't see the crabs. I don't see the coquina. Um, Maybe I'm seeing like the sand fleas, but that's about it. And I notice we don't have. I do birds. see sand fleas. Yeah, not not a lot of birds. I noticed that a long time ago. Well, there's because, nothing for them to eat. Yeah, there's no, right, and there's well, nowhere that, for them to take care of their young. And I also I say something to people when I see people letting their children chase the birds. It's like the the birds are here to take a rest. Right. They're on a journey. Right. And yeah, it's the, just about the, the way the way you approach people, you can't be you have to be calm and you have to, you know, appeal to their their love of nature, which is why they're they're at the beach to begin with and not and at a pool. Place, right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I've I've noticed that the shorebirds um I mean, I remember growing up 
and being in Nantucket. And boy, there were a lot, a lot of shorebirds. There were a lot of seagulls and terns and shorebirds. And I don't know all the species, but there were there were a lot. And they were always on the beach. <clears throat> and then I came down here and I really didn't notice that many. And the last few years, I hardly noticed any. I, I don't just mean like shorebirds nesting on the beach. I hardly see any flying over the ocean. I hardly see any scurrying along, you know, the washdown. There's just like nothing there. Same with the There's grass. nothing for them to There's eat. There's nothing for them to eat. Well, that goes back to, you know, we dump poop in the water and the red tide and all the plastic. And of course that just, you know, sucks up all the, the space and it just completely contaminates the water. And so there's not a whole lot of fish, fish, not a lot of fish in the sea for them to eat. Um, and then that just plays on it. Not a lot of crabs either. And then of course you think like the raccoons and the fox would come on the beach to try to feast on that, but there's no, there's no food for them either. If they so, weren't raking, if they weren't raking the beach to an inch of oh, its that's life. that's terrible too. Yeah, that's terrible too. Then yeah. there would be crustaceans and, you know, some seaweed helps hold the oh. beach together. So. Right, right. But that goes back to the people that live on the beach and they don't want to, they don't want to have. I uh, think it's about tourism. On the beach. Yeah, it it's is about, about tourism. tourism. Yeah, it is. They, yeah, they want to, they literally want to clean up the beach so it doesn't even look like a natural beach. Because if you were to go to like some pristine little beach out in the middle of nowhere, you would find high dunes, you'd find beach vegetation. Of course, the root system is what holds the sand. You don't need beach nourishment. And you would find seashells. That's another thing. That's another indication that the ocean is not so healthy. Years ago, right, you would walk on the beach and you'd see, intact seashells because they were thicker and harder shell and they were colorful well and you're not you're getting the beach renourishment and the sand is going exactly. back out and it's covering up all of that exactly. and it's dead and now we have a it's dead ocean dead. exactly exactly and the stuff that washes up is all bleached white and it's like pieces of shells uh so if anyone is out there and they collect seashells they might be concerned that that's another indication that the sea is pretty contaminated and we are I won't say it's dead yet I want to hold a little bit of hope but it's it we are fast killing it we are definitely fast killing it you can't possibly walk on the beach or go in the ocean and not realize that you're looking at a what could be a, a dead zone in just a couple of years uh, especially if you're at a certain age you know, if you're over in your 40s and 50s and 60s and you remember what it was like as a kid and you remember that there was so much more life on the beach, it was a whole ecosystem and it's just not, it's just not there anymore. You hardly ever see dolphins out in the ocean. You hardly ever see sharks or whales, you know, and then, and I'm talking just 15, 20 years ago, you know, you'd be walking well, on the there's beach. There's a lot less males of the dolphins too. Most of, if you go to somewhere like Marco, they say that one male dolphin is the father to all of these. Oh pups. no, so, that's yeah. not. Yeah, that's that's not good either. Yeah, so this so this isn't just affecting you know the hot sand and the pollution and all of that. This isn't just affecting sea turtles. Sea turtles are like an indicator because they nest on land, and so we can visibly see what's going on. But clearly, this is this is something that affects like all of the all of the marine species, and therefore that is like a huge a huge, huge problem that hopefully we can get our you-know-what together and fix it before we really kill the state and the planet, which would which would not be good. So I'm going to end it there. I thank you very thank much you. For, for talking. Hopefully we have enlightened some people. I, I hope that people have enjoyed listening to the show and maybe tune in next time. 
Um, I cover many topics that you probably will not be reading in the news. I also encourage people to check out all of the the other All About Animals podcasts because they have some terrific shows that you'll find interesting. And I would say that that is a wrap. Thank you so much. Thank you.